Welcome to the Dallas Design Sprints Podcast. My name is Robert Scrobe, and on today's show, we're featuring Lee Duncan. He is an agency designer and product owner from IBM. He's been working there over 14 years on such topics as design thinking and design sprints, of which he's very active. Today, we're going to be talking about his interests in blockchain, developing a circular economy, his work with local startups, as well as charities he's been doing some active work with. Hope you enjoy the show, and as a gentle reminder, all thoughts, statements, and feelings that Lee Duncan has about these subjects do not in any way reflect IBM, his employer, nor do they represent their point of view. It is strictly about Lee. Hope you enjoy the show. See you on the other side. Lee Duncan. Thank you very much for coming on to the Dallas Design Sprints podcast. I really appreciate it. Yeah, my pleasure. You are an IBM internal agency designer and product owner. You specialize in experience mapping using MIT Design for Innovation Methods, and you are also trained in design sprints. I guess my first question is, what do you, out of all of those different uh, kind of descriptors, what do you tend to do the most at IBM? What, what do you find yourself responsible for? Yeah, so I'm right now, I'm mostly doing design sprints. And uh, um, I definitely am in love with enterprise design thinking. That's the IBM design way. I practice it as much as I can. I listen to our IBM leaders. I subscribe to everything that comes out of IBM on it. But lately, I've been challenging myself to, to really produce digital products as quickly as I can. And I'm really um, intrigued and interested with doing design sprints. What, what appeals, what about the design sprint process appeals to you so much? I, uh, you know, I'm um, a pretty intense person. Uh, <laughs> uh, sometimes that's good. Sometimes that's uh, not, not as good. And what appeals to me is I want to get through as much of the design part uh, as, as fast as I can to get to results. I'm really uh, obsessed with producing tangible outcomes. And you can do that with other design methods. But the really interesting component with design sprints is that I can devote my attention to producing a product. I can be totally in love with the problem, uh, in love with the problem. I can totally get lost in understanding who I'm solving, you know, who I'm solving for. And I'm not uh, using a lot of calories trying to reconcile, is this the best process to use? I just, um, the, the process itself dissolves into the background. And because I don't have to deal with it, it is, it takes one thing off my plate. And I feel like it's a very dependable approach to producing digital, uh, digital products. So how many design sprints have you run to date since you've uh, kind of gone through the masterclass? I think you, you're an AJ and Spark graduate of their, their program. Um, how, how many have you run, ran, maybe even before you, you had gone through the certification process? How many, how many have you run to date? So um, I have, unfortunately, I have not, I'm not a certified master. I'm like a, a green belt. I'm not a certified uh, ninja. With oh, AJ. my fault. I apologize. But I would love to be and that I'm, I'm actually in the, I'm trying to work that out. So, um, 
So that I'm hoping that will happen. But uh, but I'm an absolute follower of AJ and Smart. I love what they do. Um, I love their approach. Uh, so, but um, as as far as as far as sprints, I probably have done between ten and twenty sprints, and I have done those over the last um, six to eight months. Now, have you stuck with the original script of either the first 1.0 or the 2.0 version, or have, as you've been doing them, have you found yourself kind of taking parts of the process and re-engineering them for what you need internally? So in the beginning, I tried to follow Jake's advice, which was uh, go by the book, um, go by how the book is instru- you know, instructing you to do it. Don't hack it. Don't mess with it until you have a, a good level of muscle memory and confidence in yourself and in the process. And I, I, I've done that. I, I, I've tried to not uh, speed it up or uh, cut any corners. And occasionally, I, I for sure have done the 2.0 process, uh, the AJ and Smart details. And most recently, I've had a number of experiences where we have we've made use of flex sprints, which is um, kind of uh, making use of new methodologies and uh, um, new approaches that are they're detailed out of the, the Google um, methods, the new website. Can you, go, can you go a little bit into flex sprints and what those are? Yeah, so what we do is we take a look at the problem and there are some cases where we don't have to have a decider in a room for five days and, and sometimes it isn't a wicked problem. It's a moderately wicked problem. And in those cases, we take a look at a palette of um, what we would traditionally do in a design sprint. And then we are very intentional about which ones are providing the most value. And do we agree as a group that these are the most valuable? Um, are you know, are uh, these components right for the problem that we're trying to solve? And in some cases, we're just trying to uh, diverge and think about a range of possibilities. We're stuck. We're trying to get unstuck. And we'll make use of, of things like crazy eights. And then maybe we also need to crystallize a little more and do some, um, do some solution sketches. Uh, there are other times where um, we may have a lot of that sorted out, but we haven't done the work to test it with users to get reactions. And I'm a real big fan of getting reactions as opposed to simulated feedback. And there's been a number of really um, useful conversations on how do you get authentic reactions for people? Does it have to be transactional? And how do you create that environment that um, produces really useful feedback? So I'm uh, obsessed with that conversation and the discussions that are occurring with that. And how many of those uh, flex sprints you do or the discussions you have kind of go into some of the, the, the projects that you're currently working on? I know we discussed it offline, but did you, do they have any correlation with those? Yeah, uh, so we've, we've found um, because we don't have a lot of design sprinters within IBM, we have some, um, but not as many as, uh, as the regular design thinking specialists. Because we don't have so many design uh, design sprinters um, and because we have had a lot of interest after we produced digital prototypes in a short period of time sometimes we've solved problems that were that were uh, plaguing us for years and years I heard one 
person in a design sprint say, um, this is not at all scientific, but they said that this problem had been open for up to 10 years and they were not able to apply this scientific method to align people and not only align people through understanding the problem, but also aligning people over the potential for solutions. And because of that, we were able to unlock um, this really incredible potential for problem solving. So to get to bring it back, um, because we've had so much interest, we've had more interest than people to run those sprints. And um, because of that, we have had to be uh, really creative on how we can squeeze out the value and the magic of design sprints in a shorter period of time. And so um, we've been running these flex sprints. I'm gonna ask a selfish question. If the design sprint referral network we worked on in November existed, could that potentially be a resource to supplement the interest? Meaning, could you potentially get resources or people, I should say people rather than resources, you can get people involved uh, of, of all stripes to get involved with some of these, in, these, these interests or these incentives that correlate with design sprint activity? I would say definitely. Um, we have no shortage of people interested in doing it. We do not have a hardened program to transition people to that in a, you know, in a, in a corporate setting. Now, IBM is very proud of the fact that we are, uh, you know, we have uh, an incredible number of designers, and I'm sure my number is off, but I think we have between 1,500 and 2,000 designers. So we have scale design thinking at a very ambitious rate and pace. And um, that same uh, mechanism for canvassing IBMers uh, and sharing this method uh, you know, doesn't exist in, a, in the same robust fashion. So what you're describing, I think, would be very useful. Interesting. So you mentioned uh, different programs that IBM's doing. What are some of the programs that you are currently involved with? Like what, what's top of mind? I know you're, you're very interested in blockchain. You've been doing things with Idea Colab, uh, but maybe you should get into it a little bit and explain it better than I could. Yeah, so uh, some passion projects that I'm working on the side. Of course, during the day, I am do everything I can to produce uh, products for IBM. But after work, uh, you know, I, I try to, I try to uh, stretch myself and get uncomfortable uh, and take on different types of projects with different people um, and really look outside of IBM for ways I can create value and the ways that I can be really impactful to, to the world around me. Um, and so one project that I'm interested in, this is at the beginning of the beginning, it's maybe before the beginning of the beginning, very, very, very uh, formative. But, um, but what, I, what, I'm, what I'm interested in is trying to establish, not at all, again, let me say, not at all uh, done and dusted yet, but um, I'm trying to find ways, I'm exploring ways of establishing a beta test program between IBM and startups. And uh, here, within uh, close by, we have American Underground, which is a Google technology uh, work center where there are a number of companies. They're able to help each other out. There's leadership, um, and there's there's uh, places for them to work and resources. I am trying to align IBM with. Uh, uh, 
places like that, American Underground, um, and uh, also uh, there is a number of companies involved with investing in start in startups that are um, another kind of segment that folds well into that concept. But the idea is I'm looking for to find a way where IBM can have access to these companies that are in the beginning stages where we're able to help them by testing their products, providing feedback. We're able to potentially, not at all done, um, look at ways of leveraging and de-risking some of our patents and investing in them, um, having them explore them, uh, maybe us hiring them if they're, if they're, if they're great people, um, co-creating with them. And I think that also kind of growth hacks into IBM's larger goal of developing new color skills and going where, where the skills are and where the talent uh, is. And I believe, uh, I, I may mess this up in terminology a little bit, but we have a, um, a P-TECH program, I've also referred to as a P-School program, but a P-TECH program, which is where we work with younger people, typically I think around the high school age, they have an interest in STEM, and we try to encourage that and support that in numerous ways. And then in some cases, allow, allow um, them a route, a path to becoming an IBM employee. So I'm thinking all of this comes together well, um, in a logical fashion. We also have a, um, a great relationship with NC State. There's a, I think North Carolina has one of the highest densities of PhDs. Uh, in the country, and and um, and so we have a great relationship with NC State. Uh, we do a lot of education programs there, and we have an IBM State executive that uh, manages that relationship, so that it's important to IBM. So it's a lot of words for me to, to describe this thing that I'm really excited about, but I, I plan to follow it with a great deal of enthusiasm, and I think this concept of network collaboration looking outward, trying to build bridges with the local community is a smart thing. And I, I, think, um, I think it's going to give us a lot of energy and uh, it's going to really be rewarding for all parties. If you were to project out in the, into 2019 for both the local startup program for the beta test that you're thinking about uh, or that you spoke about and uh, the P-TECH school uh, you know, that you had also mentioned, what would be ideal? What would you like to see next year? I would love to see a program where um, we're able to start off by building relationships. Um, and we, we start off with a couple use cases with, 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 with companies that, ha that are uh, in, in creating um, technology that uh, aligns with IBM. You know, you just, IBM just bought, it made a very substantial purchase. It's public, obviously. With buying Red Hat, a multi-multi-billion dollar transaction, and that's useful. Um, but I think there are additional supplemental ways of getting inspired and working um, with other folks in technology that will help uh, that will help facilitate that transition and um, kind of complement that transition into that space. There's a number of uh, technology uh, companies in the cloud space right here local aside aside from Red Hat and so I, I'm thinking about how can we 
um, how can we find those logical supplemental um, opportunities and bring them into the fold and really develop a community of innovators um, where all parties are benefiting. So that's a, kind of an ecosystem of innovation. Um, so by the end of by the end of 2019, then we're talking about this at the. If we, if we look back at the year next year around the same time, you're saying that an ideal outcome would it be the development? Would it be in North Carolina or overall of a of an ecosystem of support for local startups and for um, high school and trade school students to basically look at their careers in a different way? Yeah. So I'm, I would like to start. There's a lot of work already being done um, with with high schools and STEM, and there's a lot of work. There's already actually a pretty robust network between IBM and the local schools like NC State, et cetera. Uh, but my a success for me, and I want to be reasonable and kind of um, monotask on just a couple use cases, is that we're able to find a logical complementary technology um, amongst a local startup here in the area, RTP, the Research uh, Triangle Park, and um, and try to bring them in and see if we can find a logical uh, way of working between us where we're able to test their products and or co-create and or share some of our patent technology um, and see if there is a, 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 um, a way where it works and where we can protect sensitive intellectual uh, products. Um, that would be a very interesting use case. Yeah, it does sound like it. Um, let's get a little into a, a little bit about your work with charity and specifically the application you're you're kind of spearheading for a charity that that was part of the virtual design sprint uh, at, um, event back in November. Can you kind of get into that a little bit and the origins of it and where it is today? Sure. Okay. So you want to start off? Is this the one with, for Miracle? Uh, yes, please. Yeah, I think it is. Okay. Um, so. Yeah, so we started working, IBM started working, uh, a, couple, a couple people within IBM started working as volunteers, not as IBMers. So we we're, we we're volunteers uh, working with um, uh, MRCL, Miracle Relief Collaboration League. And they are a not-for-profit charity out of Austin. Um, and we were interested in, in helping them because they're very, very passionate and very great people. And, um, and they wanted to, to have a great deal of impact, but what was holding them back was their, uh, you know, their um, inability to leverage technology to its fullest capability. And uh, so, so um, we had people at IBM uh, that were able to make a connection, uh, were willing to donate their time, and we went down and ran a design sprint in Austin to help develop the first product and commit for them. Since that time, they have grown and they uh, not only have helped people in Texas after Hurricane Harvey, but they were called upon um, with some recent disaster relief efforts in North Carolina. In fact, they have gotten the attention of the governor's office. So, so their work is expanding and what they're missing now is a front-end capability to capture uh, people, um, people's needs that are impacted by natural disaster 
And so um, I'm very excited and happy and encouraged that we were able to help. We have IBM where we brought, um, you know, we brought in people from all over the U.S. and over the world. And I was very grateful if I'm just going to um, be thanking people. I need to thank you for giving us a way uh, to bring talent together. So Bill Alexi, Dave Magdaleno, um, yourself, and, and, and Miracle to ideate on what might that tool look like and be able to um, bring together all types of diverse skills and, and um, seasoned skills to produce something of valuable, a tangible product that would not have occurred otherwise. So I'm thankful that you, you, know, you, uh, you were courageous and, and went for it and created this uh, first of its kind remote design sprint. And I'm doing it again in April, <laughs> which would be fun. But I, yeah, hey, I appreciate it. But it was, it was a lot of fun for me. I, I, I was thrilled to see how it turned out. I, and I think I've said this before, I originally thought it was just going to be one team that, I, that was, that was going to sign up for this and go through the entire week and come out, the, come out the other side with a testable prototype or a way forward. And it ended up being six teams starting, five teams ending, which was, well, actually, no, I take that back. There was four that ended, three that ended, but two are still going, including the one you're doing for the charity work right now that we had met earlier on today about. Um, mm -hmm. It's kind of interesting uh, to think that, well, maybe I can pose this as a question to you. Do you think there's a strong tie based on this experience you've had with the charity between um, getting people together virtually to do design sprints for charity work in that it could be a good introduction for those who have never done design sprints or say, for example, they've gone through a certification process or have learned about it through some sort of online class to be able to apply the process in a way that they're contributing to uh, either a local or a national charity. Do you think there's promise in that? Absolutely. Yeah. I think I would consider this, uh, you know, an internship or design sprints, uh, I think it should be an essential component. And we know just with, just to get weird, um, the term myelination, you remember things better when you practice them. You need to go through the motions and, and, and get that muscle memory, as Jake Knapp has mentioned. Uh, so I, I think that would be an essential component to AJ's, AJ and Smart's um, work and all the other agencies that are out there, uh, New Haircut, and, um, Sprint Academy. Sprint Academy, yeah. All the guys, I don't, don't, don't want to miss anybody. So all the, all the folks that are leading in this space, um, I think that would be a great uh, component. I think it's an essential component that, that uh, people are able to practice. And then just your point as far as how, does, how do charities uh, fall into this? Well, um, you know, I've heard the quote that the best way to in increase engagement is to have people involved in a shared struggle. It doesn't have to be a shared struggle where it's really painful, but I think where you have people come together over, over shared purpose, like uh, solving a problem that impacts society, uh, that I, I think um, is a great way to motivate people and give them an additional level of encouragement to apply because it's making a difference. It's real. We're talking about people's lives. We're talking in specific terms of how we're um, helping someone. 
And if you can raise the stakes, you know, make that a moment for them, it will, it will change the, it will change it from just a working exercise to something that is much more meaningful. So I think, I think that is a terrific, um, uh, approach to do that. Yeah. And to further your point, if you, if you've ever read David Berkus's book, friend of a friend, uh, one of the tenants in that book would beyond kind of going back in your old network to find new can to, to revisit all those connections because they already have a history was the, the, the notion that networking events in and of itself usually don't work because there's no central theme. But uh, as others have put on events where there's been a, where everyone has to cook something, um, they get together and as a group and they cook a meal that's shared as kind of like a potluck experience. The, I think the rule with that event that he had outlined was that no one, no one knew what each other's name was, no other titles. They could basically ask their first name but you really didn't know what they did. So everyone had a common activity that they, that they centered on. And then eventually they got to know one another after the meal was cooked. So when they're actually at the table eating and then they could ask what they could do, but they couldn't ask beforehand. And I kind of think that this event with charity was, was a nice way of kind of like your, to your point, introducing people to sprints. But I also think there's another aspect of it where people who never would have known each other at all because of geography or just because of the discipline that they're in and getting them together for a common cause uh, is one of those things where you don't necessarily have to rely on the person's role, but people can self-affirm and you can have that as shared experience in a way that normally you wouldn't be able to otherwise. Yes. Yeah, I totally agree. And then, and I think also breaks down the barriers of psychological safety is where, um, and you know, swift trust, and in your case, we brought together a group of strangers and we had to solve problems. And I think one thing that gets people to know each other and to be more assertive faster is when, as you said, they lose themselves into the problem um, or lose themselves into the experience and they stop really being hyper-conscious about am I, you know, what is it we're doing? Am I doing the right method? Um, should I talk right now? Should I offer this? Should I you know, what, what, what should be my next move? I think it's a great way uh, for, for people to, um, to, to get experience and go through it because it is a, another, uh, another force that brings people together and um, allows them to do their best work. The other thing I noticed as well is that it's, it, for the introverts that were part of, that took part of this, people that were kind of reserved, they loved it. Because it was one of those things that took out the dynamics of interpersonal engagement uh, during like a live sprint where you're in the same room and they don't feel as comfortable expressing themselves. This was something where that offline working alone and online together, they still felt like there was a little bit of a protective zone for them to kind of operate in. They wouldn't necessarily declare it, but I could tell from some people that were either shy about because there was a language barrier or they felt like they, they weren't up to speed with their skills. The transformative effect of this kind of thing was pretty apparent towards the end. I don't know if you noticed that with others, but it, it, was, it was fascinating to see. Um, and I'm, I'm wondering when we do this in April, if it's gonna happen again, if, I, if it may surface, it, it may allow some people that normally wouldn't feel comfortable expressing themselves in different ways, professionally and personally, 
this this method potentially could allow them to do that. Yeah, I I, I definitely agree. There's a different behavior when you work in this way, and I think it gives agency to more people to work. And uh, when you work in a digital format through Mural, etc., um, you are are a you know everyone's uh, pixel counts, um, and I think that it's very intuitive, it's, it's easy, you can also async the meetings, so it doesn't always have to be at the same place at the same time. And I, I do think that uh, it is an equalizer among personalities. So if we look forward ahead to 2019, what are you looking forward to? What's on your radar? What have you got coming up that you're really excited about? Um, what do you wanna let people know about that you're getting involved with? Okay, let's see. What else is left that I haven't talked about? Um, <laughs> oh no. Uh, so what I'm most interested in is um, really, let me, let me start, let me try a really boring answer. Um, really getting good at design sprints, getting a lot of practice in to where um, I'm able to tease out extremely, you know, very, very del delightful uh, outcomes. And that is, I'm able to push people at key moments to think bigger. Um, maybe I'm being a little bit too patient or comfortable with the process, and I need to encourage people to be a little more 10x, to, to be, you know, um, build a, a bigger uh, wedding cake. You know, what's the 10x? What's the future state? How do we wow this? Um, I, I think there's a lot more for me to do. And I think there's a lot more for me to do in um, developing an operational programmatic approach to rapid prototyping. How do I bring in the right people to rapid prototype? What are the types of skills that they need? How do we um, stage in the prototyping? What tools do we use? How concurrent or parallel can we be? Um, can we design in code? Can we go bigger as opposed to just one small you know, not biting off more than you can prototype. Well, what if we make a meal out of our prototype and we really go nuts? How can I scare myself with taking on more than I can handle, which will require me to do, as they say, Adrian Smart, some panic learning um, and panic growth. So I, I plan on doing things that really <laughs> scare me and stretch me and force me to learn more. Um, with this process. That's one, that's one thing I, I want to get better. I have a strong desire to get better and to learn. Um, and, and then an, another thing is, so I have this really fun, amazing, incredible thing, but it's, it's personal to me and it's, and I, I tell people around me about it and they love it, but how do I spread the word in uh, an impactful way? How do I tell the story of design sprints? Um, that's something that I'm working through and I'm trying to develop. Uh, how, you know, how can I skill people up in an appropriate way? Does it have to be one-to-one? -one? Do does it have to be right-along? Um, is there a digital way within IBM that I can get people ready to go? And, um, and I'm also trying to start a movement, a movement where I, I think a lot of people are excited about design sprints and um, there's, there's kind of a, a connection when you talk to people that are doing design sprints and when you read a medium article people connect with each other how do i create that within within ibm and then also how do i network 
with other companies in the triangle and back to this idea of network collaboration, I think the best companies as we go forward um, work on their influencing skills and networking with like companies to build great things. And um, they say, uh, you know, you can go fast if you go alone, but if you want to go far, go together. So I would prefer, prefer to go far. And to do that, and by the way, going far is fun because you're working with other people. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm trying to develop a way, a method, maybe part of the innovation that you've created with your sprint of connecting with like-minded people, innovating as a group, creating safe spaces, developing the state of the art for sprint rooms and, and technology, um, all those things. That was pretty wordy. That's right. I, I, the thing that was going through my mind was uh, I was pondering how you you prefer to communicate. Like, do you prefer to communicate in the written word? Do you do you tend to use audio? Do you like face to face? Is video your thing? I was just kind of yeah. I was one because I've I it doesn't for everything that's online and the way I know you communicate. It seems and as for as busy you are, it seems like from an outsider's point of view that live video would be perfect because they can be short two to five minute bursts that document like your thoughts, even your, your work in design sprints at IBM, what you're thinking about what some of the work that you're doing. And that, that kind of thing, if it's done internally at, at IBM can be a, a, an outlet where other people in different departments can just view it rather than be a part of the, notification process that happens on a regular computer that I've been witness to, or just the, the litany of emails that people get where they're asked to consume that content. I think if it, if it goes in that direction, that may be a medium where you just kind of, it's very, uh, it's friction. It's, it, there's not a lot of friction. You can basically like fire it up, post it, give it a title. And then that could be sound kind of like a, just a, a, a footnote, but mm -hmm. I don't know. I, I kind of think that video could be your play. In, in seeing where that goes. Yeah. What, what, what are your thoughts? I agree. I need, to do, I need to do more. And you've inspired me, especially with a lot of the work that you've done recently. You've been releasing a lot. So I, I need to, to get in there. I need to figure out also a way to um, speak slower. So if there's like anti-caffeine, something that can allow me to speak at <laughs> half the rate, or maybe we could release it at half speed, um, you know, 0.25, uh, that would also help. People can hear what I say. But I yeah, don't think that... I'll, I'll be honest. I don't. That's not turn for me. That's just that's just Lee Duncan. That's just, okay. All right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're just you're somebody that's that that uh, like you said. You're intense, but I think that I would reframe it as as somebody who covers a lot of topics at the same time. Has their has their their hands in a lot of pies or stirring a lot of pots. And I'm the exact same way. It's just mm -hmm. that I my intensity is more on the side of, of discipline and, and kind of going through things that I start. Not saying you're not. It's just it's just self awareness of what kind of person I am over the years and what I've kind of oriented towards. So I'm perfectly fine if in one five minute or ten minute video that you create, you cover your uh, the the local startup effort you're doing, the the P Tech school, the the employing hiring process, blockchain. Idea collab. I mean, you could you could have one of those topics be just one theme for what for the video, and then you you basically go into something that you've done recently. I think documenting is the most important thing because yes. there may be out of the if you just think in terms of volume, 
there may be one out of the 50 or 100 pieces of content you create that that catches the attention of someone especially if you're if you're talking about something new in IBM that people are wondering about or people do a search on a hashtag that you correlate your video to it's a really easy way for people to to either listen or 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 have on the back and one of their tabs in the background to listen to while they're going to things and they can binge listen for like if as long as it's a, a, a complete role of your your older material so mm -hmm. I, I don't think you need to filter yourself at all it's just this is who you are this is what you're all about you, and you you basically make no bones about it and i'm sure people will, will just be perfectly fine with it yeah yeah and i like you know i like the concept of, of of documenting um and i think back to your question of what would you like to do in 2018 that you think could bring value i think your point honestly of storytelling digital storytelling telling truths uh, giving examples doing it in a way that people could process and make use in a practical way i think that would be a great challenge for me and something i should look into i mean consider the two options i'll give you an example you told me before that you really are following blockchain and like the, the developing circular economy. Anyone can basically take and co copy and paste a URL and put it into LinkedIn or Facebook and share it with other people that they know. But what if instead of doing that, you fired up Facebook Live and just basically said, hey, I just I caught some new stuff about blockchain and here's what's really interesting about it. And you gave your point of view. That in, in, is much more engaging in the sense that, okay, well, I know what Lee's all about and I'm going to figure out what he's, what, well, how he thinks the way this, and you could probably also get, bring value by saying, if you want to read more, here's the article, here's something else that comes to mind. And if you got any, if you got any feedback, give it to me and let me know. So that it doesn't have to be every day. It could just be whenever you feel inspired, you fire it up, do a video and that's that. Yeah, I agree. I, I really, I really enjoy, uh, you know, the stuff that gets my attention are uh, when people, uh, either through writing or through video, provide a, um, a thoughtful point of view, right? Uh, and sometimes it doesn't, even have to be, it doesn't even have to be the right point of view. It just needs to give me a, a cause for reflecting on it. Sometimes, for example, a prototype, some of the best prototypes you show to people are when you have it exactly wrong, right? It's, it's, it's putting something in front of people. So, um, yeah, I, I like that idea of, uh, of providing insights, pro providing signals amongst all the information out there. And that, I think that would be a great challenge for me. I should consider it. Yeah, I don't even think you need to be fancy about it at all and not consider something to be a finished, something that's polished and you bring it out. I mean, it can be half-baked and you still put it out there, but it's maybe a screen capture. Not even screen capture, but if you use something like ScreenFlow and actually video record what you're doing on your desktop while you're talking at the same time and just kind of show what, what it is that you're looking at and what your thoughts about it, that, that, that could be enough. And then you don't even have to appear on camera. It could just be your voiceover while you're looking at something in your browser. I like it. It's happening. Can you tell I like to ideate a lot? <laughs> I don't know if that goes across. I, 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 I fear it gets prescriptive sometimes, but it's just, I, I listen to all everything that someone that someone says, like you're, you're talking about with everything you want to do next year. And I think, man, I, I don't want to wait till February and suddenly see a link that or, or a couple of links that you put in Facebook and just it's just the link. I would much rather go knowing knowing you how you interact. I would much rather get engaged on the on the aspect of, OK, this is Lee. Hey, everybody, it's Lee. And then you just go into it. I like it. 
I think uh, I think I think I'll have to make it happen. Yeah, or at least experiment, taste it, <laughs> see what works for you. I will do it. I will. I'll do uh, all, all different types. I'll. Um, yeah, I will. Uh, I'll, I'll. I'll do some video while while uh, underwater. I mean, there's all types. There's so many. There's so much, there's so much potential there. Just go into a busy cafe in IBM and just walk up to somebody and ask them, "Do you know what design sprints are?" And they'll be like, "I, I what?" That would be great. That would be yeah. great. Yes. Well, that would be stretching yourself. That would be a different experience, I guess. Yes. Um, yeah. So, if if people want to find you online, where would they go to discover you and figure out what you're talking about? Yeah. So, um, LinkedIn actually is the best place for me because uh, that's where I spend a lot of my time. I am mostly a consumer in other areas. Um, but yeah, LinkedIn, just look me up and uh, we can connect. And I really like the prospect of trying to create something together. I get messages all the time that people wanna know more about design sprints, they're outside of the company. And um, we set up time and we talk about it. And in some cases, you know, we meet up in real life and or in some cases, like with Robert, um, we, we build things. We build actual real things. Uh, so yeah, I think LinkedIn is a wonderful place to find me. Yeah, you never know where things are gonna go. And you could be on a podcast someday. You never, just never know. I guess anything's possible. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. So Lee, thank you very much and uh, pleasure having you on the show. At pleasure being here. Keep doing the great work you do. I love your courage. I love your energy. I love. You know, I learn a lot from you, so thank you. Thanks, Lee. Thank you very much for tuning in and listening to the Dallas Design Sprints podcast. If you have a question or a comment for us, we'd love to hear from you. Just send an email to robert at dallasdesignsprints.com. You can also find us on your favorite social media channel, whether it's Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter, and even Pinterest. Hope to see you next time, and thanks for listening.